The Office ends. Val Kilmer's your Huckleberry, and Leo's not fucking leaving this week on 30-20-10. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser 10 Network's weekly pop culture time machine Wishing you a Merry Christmas this week because we're going to be looking at the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago during Christmas, specifically December 20, 22nd through the 28th across three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013. Get ready. Open up those three little portals and we'll take you back in time in three segments. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, and who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I drove here in my Lamborghini on a ton of ludes, not a scratch on it. <laughs> And I'm J.R. Rawls, and what? I am rolling. <laughs> right. All right. Well, it's a big episode. A lot of Christmas releases this week. I hope you are in a merry and warm place right now, uh, and not prison. I, I'm just saying. Just don't want to wish it ill on people. Welcome to and 30. If you're in prison, we're so glad that you're listening to us on your smuggled cell phone. Yes, yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support us. I think we're going to have at least one show up before the break. Hopefully about Godzilla. Everybody, Godzilla minus one, heartily recommended. Um, anyway, moving on. 30, 20, 10. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This week, December 22nd to the 28th, uh, let's start in 1993, where Times Person of the Year, the Peacemakers, Yasser Arafat, Yitzhak Rabin, and, whoa, what, F.W. DeClerc? Is that spelled phonetically? That just confused me. And Nelson Mandela. Uh, yes. Who did this... Seemed like a much more uh, hopeful time, 1993. So, so yeah. hopeful. Yasser Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin to, together again, putting out some hits like Let's Not Blow Each Other Up. Big, cool thing. Uh, Rabin ends up getting assassinated for this by hard right Israeli folks. Uh, but yeah, F.W. de Klerk, the last prime minister, president or prime minister of uh Apartheid South Africa and Nelson Mandela, the guy who ends up uh, taking his job, succeeding him mm-hmm. in an actual election where black folks are allowed to vote. Yep. Yay. And now all those people are dead. Yes. Well, that's what happens to people over sixty from thirty years ago. It can't all yeah. be uh, Norman Lear and Henry Kissinger <laughs> almost making it to <laughs> Christmas twenty twenty three. R.I.P. Norman to, Lear. To one, God damn it. to one of them, yes. Uh, and then let's move real quickly into the movies of 1993. If you were with us last week, The Pelican Brief, a movie we didn't quite recommend. It's still number one at the box office, though. <laughs> and uh, yes, it, three classics. But first, uh, three classics come out this week, two of which I ignored for a long time. And it, uh, mm. I'm a little bummed to say that, but... These other two I continue to ignore. Uh, Michael Niori, Ryo uh, Ishibashi, and Vigo Mortensen in American Yakuza. Yeah. That sounds of, really cool. <laughs> kind of Vigo's first starring role? Like, he's I, popped up in a bunch of he's stuff. He's popped but up he's in like a couple things. The, like, the fifth guy. And so now he gets to headline a, you know, a B movie called American Yakuza, even though apparently it's not bad. Did anyone watch it? No, I couldn't even find it. No, I couldn't find it. Yeah. It's kind of a. Yeah, 10 years from now, he's in Return of the King. and Yeah, it never ceases to. I didn't hear about Viggo Mortensen 
till the moment Fellowship of the Rings credits rolled. <laughs> but he is Same. if you if you've yeah. been listening to thirty twenty ten, he pops up, and this is a pretty biggish role. And from what I'm looking at it, it looks like it only has a VHS box, so I'm not sure that it made the transition yeah. to the modern era. Yeah, Come the on, reviews were like, well, this is better than it should be mm. because it's kind of, you know, it's more of a mob story about the Japanese mob versus the Italian mob. And he's, you know, caught in the middle and then there's the feds. Oh, wow. And it's like, oh, OK, so this isn't like an American ninja kind of thing. This is a mob. St- cool. OK. Yes. And then uh, the other movie I couldn't get around to Peter Falk, Bruno Gans and Otto Sander and Far Away So Close. Hey, it's a follow up to Wings of Desire, the Vim Vendors movie, which is oh. all about... <laughs> Angels uh, sometimes taking human form in, and they're like kind of stuck in West Berlin. And well, the Berlin Wall is down now. So he's making a follow up and it's all about, you know, the changing times mm. there. Um, yeah. Did you know Peter Falk was an angel until he decided to be a human actor? I can totally see it. <laughs> Just one yep. more thing. I'm not dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. I did not get around to rewatching it. I remember liking Wings of Desire a lot more. But, you know, you're mileage may vary on Vim vendors it can be kind of like why well, was watching this you guys are just standing around and then something like really interesting will happen you'd be like oh okay uh and then th- now you'll figure out why we're giving those two movies short shrift because like i had to pay attention to three full-length movies in this segment alone and oh, yeah. that is starting with uh i'm happy to say a, a fucking beautiful 4k version of this that came out on disc and exists on max so i had my first time seeing it in 4k uh great cast nice. abe Bogota. i'm gonna throw dick miller in there because i i was just Hell happy yeah. i recognize his voice stacy keach dana delaney mark hamill kevin conroy yeah, it's right, yeah. Ooh, it is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Now, America's most exciting and legendary movie hero comes to the big screen like you've never seen him before and faces his greatest danger, the Phantasm. I want you. Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. In a soaring new full-length motion picture adventure, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, rated PG. So before we start talking about it, I just want to ask, anybody see this in theaters? No. No, yeah. no. And I was a huge Batman fan back in 1993. I would have totally gone to the- see it in theaters if I would have like been aware of it. But I feel like it was one of those BS theatrical releases where it's like, OK, yeah, we're totally theatrical. We did New York and uh, L.A. So, yeah, we're and, a theatrical movie. For an animated yeah, movie, it- I think it costs so little they could afford to kind of not promote it. Yeah, this everything I saw was like this. This wasn't really promoted, but they moved it to release at Christmas, mm-hmm. which I find strange. That like, there's a lot of competition yeah. for family stuff. It's going to be harder for you to get the whole family to go see this. And I just I remember at the time thinking, oh, you know, it's just a, a cheapo kind of whatever. Maybe it's a couple episodes strung together, and I'm not sure why they didn't just go straight to VHS no. like these things usually do. And then years later, people start saying. Motherfucker, this is the best Batman movie. Yeah, that, so I, I think if you didn't know the story behind it, it started out as a straight-to-video release because the first season of Batman is super successful. It come, like Even before it airs, everybody's like, this is rad, let's make a movie out of this. And then it gets bumped up from straight-to-video to theatrical. So I, the only reason I guess they could they put it out at Christmas is just because, who cares? This was way better than it was supposed to be. We can throw $4 million at it, and we'll probably recoup 
our money and they sort of did and over time they did but like yeah. i think as a kid it was just one christmas movies didn't feel like a thing at that point yet we weren't we definitely weren't doing that as a family and two it, we had the tv show for free and like <laughs> It, like th- it was really hard to showcase just watching we played a clip from the tv spot a full frame this doesn't look any better than the show you're not telling me that this might be more violent this might be more dark this might ha- contain imagery we can't show on television they couldn't promote it in any way like that and had they i would have rushed to the theater if they would have showed a sequence from the cg opening i would have gone to the theater yeah i did end up renting it from my local blockbuster sometime and it was not as impressive in 1994 as it appeared in retrospect. Uh, 1993, 1994, JR was like, this is okay, but I was still in love with the Burton Batman and a lo- the idea of live action. Mm. Uh, seeing a movie length cartoon just wasn't sitting with me, but I- watching it in the current year and I'm like, this is really, really solid. I bet you some executives said the same thing when they were pitching Spider-Verse. We, we can't do an animated movie in the middle of it. We can't look at Batman Master the Phantasm, blah, blah, blah. You, you want to know the dumb way I got to it? I was such a huge Wayne's World fan that anytime any of those people were on talk shows, I would pay attention. And uh, Tia Carrera, like, oh, yeah, I've actually started my albums out and my single is... Never even told you I thought you knew, and it's in the credits of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> that that is the song in the credits. That is Cassandra. And uh, huh. and and that doubled up when I went next summer this summer, my cousin, he's like, dude, have you seen this movie? He's like, No, I didn't no, I didn't. Like, it's amazing. Put it on, and I've been an evangelist ever since. And uh it's amazing. People People say it's the best Batman movie, and I want to dispute that because right now I might want to watch Dark Knight or even the Batman, uh, Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves version, but this will hold up when those look cheesy. There's not a eye roll in this movie. It is just serious and beautiful. I feel like the Batman is might be the closer version to this yeah, Batman definitely. than other Batman things, but I mean, a lot of people have pointed out it seems to borrow heavily from the comic Batman year two, mm-hmm. but I think the thing that I like the most about this is it's actually, you know, for a Dan cartoon show, it is an examination of Batman's psychology yeah. and what could happen. Other paths he could have taken that yes. as we, as we oh. learned, the phantasm is basically a Batman who wants to just kill fuckers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had not seen on the screen Batman's origin this deep. We are a decade and a half away from uh, Batman Begins at this point. And, you know, the original 89 Batman and the 66 Batman, they didn't really go into his year one. My parents are dead. And that's about it. That's all you (laughs) get. Yep. Yep. But this is telling how he really became Batman in an engaging way. Tons of pathos, tons of drama when he's like, there's a crushing scene when he was like, I never imagined I'd be happy. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, because every because crime has a way of taking everything away from him, and and it's it's yeah. like another traumatic story of Bruce Wayne's life beyond just his parents dying, which I feel like that should be focused on a little more. Yeah. And it, it, it ends up showing you the origins of everything. His suit. I love him meeting the car, even though it is in a very public place, and you presume people would recognize the fifty foot vehicle once it's tooling around Gotham City. <laughs> and yeah, and I, it was interesting to find out like they tried like they, for a while they weren't going to have the joker in it until they figured out oh no there's an organic way we can build him into this story because you know mark hamill's joker is such a standout on the tv show but they were like well you know the original 89 batman had the joker too so maybe we shouldn't all all the original stories going on there's a light joker origin story in this fucking movie that like every time i see like fuck i forgot about that yeah crazy and it's it's yeah, and it's really interesting of like, yeah, the the intersection between like organized crime and corruption and this asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How these are different d- these are like different versions of the same problem, only one of them is chaos itself and the other one is just greed. And yeah, you probably shouldn't ask the Joker to help you with things. <laughs> it's not going to work out for you. He's a marked man anyway. And and yeah, every time I see this, it it, it, it improves upon viewing because I end up seeing it in widescreen, then in HD, mm. and now I've seen it in 4K. And just the unbelievable classiness of whatever the fuck the setting is for this, some kind of place where there's only tiny black and white televisions and an internet that Batman can use. <laughs> it looks like the 1940s. It And to me, it feels, because it's not written like a modern movie it is still it has some beats of a kid show it feels like it was made three decades earlier a really good classic movie sometimes Mm. yeah yeah well i love the old noir aspects Mm -hmm. when batman the animated series leans into them and the movie can go further i think than the tv show does in that regard i mean they still watch their language uh i i was trying to count how many euphemisms they use instead of saying kill someone Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) that guy got iced uh that guy's getting whacked it's just like i feel like they they could have used a little more licensed because that's what that's what most shit does when it goes from tv to the big screen say shit or something but like joker getting his tooth knocked out i remember being like genuinely traumatizing because usually like hits land and people go to sleep but that was like oh shit a permanent (laughs) a permanent reminder where you got your your shit pushed in crazy and then it feels like there's real death i'm only learning now that you know that's undone eventually but nobody's dead or in the ending nobody's dead but it leads you yeah. to believe that they might be. Exactly. That's kind of uh, Batman Returns kind of did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was just like, maybe dad. Yeah. yeah maybe, Read maybe enough comic back. books. Like, I need to see a corpse and then take his head off. Otherwise, this <laughs> villain is not dead. And even then, it's comic Even books. then. They can always it'll be like, ah, clone, <laughs> yeah. time travel, uh, alternate dimension. Yeah, it could be anything. But I I, I, I mean, I think we, we all can't recommend this enough. It's If you haven't <laughs> got around to seeing it, it's on Max. It's never been more beautiful. 5.1 audio. It's kind of unbelievable. <laughs> they prioritized the treatment of this movie. I'm very happy that they did that because this didn't get a lot of love for quite a while. Mm-hmm. It was always yep. released with other straight-to-video stuff. And I don't know if you've gone... Before DV, uh, DC straight-to-video stuff got great, there was like another Batman the Animated Series movie that just is not as good as this, uh, the Sub-Zero one. And no. yeah, never reach those heights again for a while. But yeah, please, yeah, get this movie. It's got a great disc. 
uh, good good Christmas gift. Right? We good? Batman? Mask of the Phantasm? Let's do it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wish there uh, had been more. Yeah. Can we play my favorite Alfred quote of all time? Sure. Ooh. Such rot, sir. Why, you're the very model of sanity. Oh, by the way, I've pressed your tights and put away your exploding gas balls. Thank you, Alfred. <laughs> uh, uh, very, 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 very good. And, yeah, like an extreme hard pivot to the movie I did see in theaters. Uh, I'm not sure it was this week, but Ozzie Davis, Burgess Meredith, uh, Kevin Pollock, Daryl Hannah, and Margaret, Walter Matthau, and Jack Lemmon. It's grumpy old man people. They've been fighting forever. Idiots. Eat my shorts. No. There's a reason. She's fine. Says who? Women get obsessed with me. It's like one of them fatal attraction things. Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau, and Mark, grumpy old men. Do the world a favor and pull your lip over your head and swallow. (laughs) Ready to be deep. Gustafson. Uh, oh god damn it i love this i mean but of course like this is built for me okay i was, I was gonna say this this might be my first time seeing walter Matthau and jack lemon it really I, might have for, been uh, for a whole generation of people yeah because they hadn't made a movie together for 12 years and that yeah. one was buddy buddy which is not especially that was the good, second but... one i saw on tnt i remember that one yeah well, so, Any woman yeah. younger than 50, this is when they most remember these two actors. This is yeah. their phase of career when it's like, that's what I was personally around for them being in theaters for. So, yes, obviously, that's it, what I associate them with. It, it resurrected yep. them as a duo. They would go on to be in, I think, two, three more movies together and and top line several films. And I, I, I watching it again, it's like. It's such a low stakes movie compared to anything we see today. But like <laughs> all kids have grandparents and you kind of wonder about I remember wondering about my grandparents lives and I hadn't really seen a movie that reflected people their age. So I I, I dug it at the time and was went to see the, th- the sequel in the theater. There's this. This is one of the biggest surprising hits of the year, by the way, like just yeah. almost tripling yeah. its money at the box office. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I know. And enough that yeah, this gets a sequel, then there's also Out to Sea, and then Odd Couple Two. Yes. They just resurrect that too. Why not? Yeah. So this duo goes back to nineteen sixty six. They are actual like uh best friends. They mm-hmm. are so adorable together. I mean the odd couple I feel like is kind of you should watch this back to back with the odd couple. That'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, the idea of like let's just have a movie about Guys in their seventies who have had a feud for fifty years. Yeah, and, and it just works. Grumpy. Mm-hmm. It really it does. Completely works. I mean, hey, do you want to see a movie about grumpy? You're not selling me. Old, not selling me. Men, no. Yeah, Those I'm three men. things. You're <laughs> just like, why would I want to go see that? But it completely is a laugh after laugh they get believe it or not they've developed some comedic timing over the last yeah. 50 years of making comedies it's incredible <laughs> like how, how that seemingly just clicks back into place and going back and looking at the, jack lennon might be one of my favorite actors of all time period he rules yes. amen yeah. he, he, amen and i gotta say and margaret 
still mm-hmm. has it going on in this film. She does at nearly 20 years the junior of both of those people. Like, so Jen Margaret still has it going on right now. She still looks yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Just released her first rock album. Wow. What? Really? <laughs> yes. I am going to find that and listen to it because I, I like Anne Margaret a lot. And she's yeah, she's just a real fun. I mean, in a way, we got, you know, these angry, grumpy guys who've had this feud, and she shows up kind of as a manic pixie dream girl, and they don't know <laughs> what to deal with. They, they can't deal with it. They are so locked into this endless battle that, like, a fun-loving, guy, you know, bohemian showing up, they're just like, hey, hamana, 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 hamana. And well, uh, yeah, and then just and then dealing with like little little old people stuff, but then they you know adapting for now, and but it's still a joke, but it's still kind of touching of Jack Lemon being like, "Should we use protection when we have sex?" <laughs> and she's like, "Well, when was how many partners have you had?" And he's like, "I not since 1979." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "We'll be okay." Yeah, and I loved it because it's about two old guys discovering their life is not done yet, that they still yeah. have things to do, life to live. And it's just a really, really sweet story. And it's also, you know, it's about old men in 1993, which means, you know, they're gone from this world and Mm -hmm. that generation is gone. So it's kind of uh, the last hurrah of that generation. And it's, I like seeing generations through time. I I think that here's their final phases. It feels like a JR notion, but the idea I'm 13 when I see this, I'm 43 when I'm seeing it now. I'm not closer to either age. I am right in the middle of <laughs> the age of the characters in the film and the age I was when I saw it. Well, Anne Margaret was 52 at the filming of this. Yeah. So, you know, she's within distance of us. It's, it just feels, yeah. it was a very odd watch when I thought about it like that. Because, like, I am far closer to whatever this life is than the life, uh, the last, the life I was leading the last time I watched this. Because there's no going back to that. <laughs> No, no. Time only goes in one arrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, again, why I wish they'd make more movies about old age, just because, you know, I'm never going to be a teenager again. And I can appreciate watching teenage movies these days to be like a glimpse into how the young people think. But, you know, I wouldn't mind a little flash forward of my future either. I thought they they just made an Indiana Jones just for you. (laughs) Yeah, they did. They did. I appreciated that. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to recommend this. It just, it oh, just feels so so me. low key compared to everything else that's out this week. That's out. That's out this week. Thirty years ago. That's out right now. But it's just sweet and lovable. And I just kids loved it. Adults loved it. Grandparents loved it. Honestly, yet. this should be a series that they reboot for every generation. Probably, yeah. You should find two old comedians. I don't know. Maybe Chevy Chase. No, I'm thinking. Mm. Uh, I. 10 years, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. Get the stepbrothers in there. <laughs> yeah. That could, that could work. I, yeah, I would I'd love see to that. see that. Love to see that. Grumpy old stepbrothers? Grumpy yeah. Grumpy old stepbrothers. Yeah, no, make a stepbrother sequel, but do it 30 years from now. Yeah. Did we just become old men? <laughs> yup. Uh, <laughs> uh, grumpy old men, difficult not to recommend. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I should save it for the sequel. I w- walked out of my cousin's wedding on the beach of Miami to go into a movie theater and see grumpier old men. Uh, <laughs> everybody wondered where I was. And, <laughs> and okay. And then lastly, uh, Jason Priestley, Billy Zane, Michael Bean, Powers Booth, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Dana Delaney again, and Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell in Tombstone. From Hollywood Pictures, 
I want your blood. The Clanton gang figured they owned the town. But they never figured on Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Maybe you better swear me in. Together, they brought justice to the West. You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me! Tombstone, rated R. Starts Saturday, December 25th. Man. God, okay. that's so many more guys I left off. We got Stephen Lang, you got Thomas Hayden Church, you got Billy Bob Thornton, you got Michael Rooker, Joey Bacula, and Charles uh, Heston. Terry O'Quinn, you got Locker Loss, you got Robert Mitchum and Charlton Heston. Crazy. Whatever. So, so I here's the I'm not gonna crap on the movie at all. It's just like I missed this somewhere, and I remember someone in my late twenties like you got to see this, and I it never clicked with me for some reason because I saw Unforgiven at the time, and it just felt like this is a unironic, non modern western. It is really just an old timey western with a with nineties pacing. Yes. Exactly. And I think that's, <laughs> I'm saying that to compliment the film, but I didn't see it until like almost two decades later. So this was part of my fraternity trilogy. Mm. There were three films in my fraternity that you had a 50% chance of one of them being on anytime you walked in the door. Uh, Big Lebowski. There you go. Full Metal Jacket. Love it. Oh, dear. And Tombstone. Jesus. That was just in continual rotation. I think and that, that was part of it, too. A lot of quotes screamed at me over Counter-Strike um, kind of thing. Mm. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times we said, I'll be your Huckleberry mm-hmm. at each other just for various things. I'm it not is a gun to defy myself, sir. <laughs> um, heard that a lot. It has so many great quotes, and it is fundamentally uh, the story of a group of guys and their deep, abiding friendship together. And that's why I think that was really a big part of the fraternity experience for me, because that was what my experience was all about there. And there's a hugely telling quote that kicked me in the gut when I watched it for the first time. And that's when uh, Val Kilmer is standing there and some other guy says, why are uh, we doing this uh, for Wyatt Earp? Why are we risking our lives at this point? And uh, Doc Holliday says, because he's my friend. And the other guy says, I've got a lot of friends. And Doc Holliday says, I don't. Mm. And the depth Mm. and gravitas in that scene when it's just like, this is a super important relationship to me, is really amazing. And it's expressed so well by Val Kimmer's amazing choices okay they had a decision and we're going to talk about this when we get to kevin costner's wider <laughs> which mm-hmm. is meticulously researched true to the source material and monumentally boring mm-hmm. okay <laughs> this film decided we are not filming the history we are filming the legend mm-hmm. of the gunfight mm-hmm. at the okay corral and val Kimmler's decision to play doc holiday as this how do you even describe it? Broken, I mean, he, uh, well, well, here's here's the thing. This is why I really love Tombstone, and I am a big fan of westerns. It's it's the love actually of westerns for me. <laughs> love so actually funny. is every single rom com schmooshed together. Mm. This is basically eighty percent of all western tropes shoved into one movie. It is baby's first western, and the. The, one of my favorite characters, I think one of everyone's favorite characters, is is the effete southern riverboat gambler type, <laughs> who's probably uh, from a fallen family of the old south, and they're so disgraced that the family won't receive him anymore. And so Val Kilmer is doing that. 
but also he has tuberculosis and knows he's going to die and kind of wants someone to end his suffering for him. So he also kind of has a death wish, but he's so good at gunfighting, he can't fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking for someone to just, please, please let me die in a blaze of glory so I can go to Valhalla. And everyone's like, nope. Yeah. And there is uh, so many quotes from him. I love the one where it's just like, oh, I forgot you were there. You may leave. And he's talking to a guy who was about ready to kill him. It's just so yeah. fucking badass. Well, yeah. So we got, you know, the lawless town. We got the, there's a new marshal in town. We, we, I think one of the only tropes we're missing, obviously anything with Native Americans, but also like we don't have like the lone farm and someone's trying to buy up the farm and run people out of town. But we have a version of that, of this like, hmm. we're just moving to this town to like, run some gambling and mind our own business and people won't stop fucking with us. That's it. That's all they want is they, they don't want to be lawmen. They're forced into it by all the meanness and corruption and bad guys, gangs of bad guys running amok. So they, they have to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I love it. It's got so many, and yeah, Val Kilmer's like, I've seen a bunch of different versions of this story and yeah, he's definitely my, my favorite doc holiday well, just and- because he always looks like he is about to die. Yeah, he's pale and sweaty and lips. Oh, and uh, it, it, it's uh, again, I, this, I wish this movie clicked with me like it does with everybody else. It's just like I, I got partially through it. I probably didn't give it enough attention, um, but it, there's something uh, added weight given to it. If you saw the Val Kilmer documentary, Val, and mm. he kind of goes around to speaking at screenings of this film because of how much it means to people still and he can't act anymore but he talks about how he thoroughly enjoys talking about his time making these movies and what goes into the characters and now that no one regards him as an asshole (laughs) (laughs) as just an asshole uh, he's just a guy trying to make it and uh it's again that's a really beautiful documentary and tombstone's a really big part of it yeah, and it's just got you know, like I said, it's got eighty billion of the guys yeah. who look good in a big mustache and a hat. Frank Stallone. Uh, <laughs> Frank Stallone <laughs> shows up. My goodness. Yeah, but like you said, it has kind of nineties pacing. It mm-hmm. just moves along real fast. It covers a lot of ground. It's really weird though that what two weeks ago we talked about Geronimo and American Legend, which yeah. takes place the same year, about five miles away. <laughs> it's so weird. Like I had to look it up. Like what? seriously they're happening at the same time that oh okay also uh i've, I've been to wyatt earp's grave it's <laughs> yeah. not where you expect it to be what, where the, would you expect wyatt earp's grave to be australia colorado would you believe near the colma costco <laughs> yes because he worked on hollywood for a while yes he did he he advised in hollywood for a bit he is buried just south of san francisco in a town called Como, which is where all, they moved yeah. all the graves when they realized San Francisco was filling up. And he is in the Jewish cemetery. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Wife, because he wanted to be with his wife and I she didn't was know Jewish. That, that place Aww. that we, your husband and I were buying our video games on our lunch break was right next to Wyatt Earp's grave. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, incredible. yeah. The, there, there's the Best Buy right there. It's yeah. like li- literally half a mile away. You, you practically see it. Yeah. It's so weird to me that some <laughs> figures of the Old West lived were born at a time when a wagon was the way you moved across the country mm-hmm. they l- were living in literal log cabins and they lived long enough to see films made mythologizing that time that's crazy yeah, pretty, nuts. pretty nuts pretty mm-hmm. nuts and uh he, like batman 
uh, it's really neat to see a classic genre done modernly, but it's more like Grumpy Old Men and how much it makes at the box office. These both are pretty fucking successful, like right out of the gate. So yep. I didn't know, like I had no awareness of this movie for a long, long time. So I, I, I was shocked to learn that. No, this was this was like the one Western because we've talked about how the early '90s we have this kind of resurgence of the Western mm-hmm. briefly and wider. The Kevin Costner movie is going to kind of kill it. Yep. But th- yeah, this is the one that like connected with everyone. Like I was running around saying Unforgiven's the best movie of all time. No one in high school had seen it, but everyone saw this. Everyone yep. got behind this because it's fun. It's an action movie. It's got lots of stuff going on. You know, never a dull moment. It just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's going to uh, make more than double what uh, Wyatt Earp ends up Ooh. making. Uh-huh. And uh, Wyatt Earp was something like double the budget yep. or more of yeah. Tombstone. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you have Lawrence Kasdan versus the guy who directed Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone so, who knows how to bring it in quick and under budget, goddammit. So I'm going to guess pretty hard recommend from everybody. Big yeah. recommend. Big this recommend. Is, especially now at the holidays, you need something that your dad's going to like. You got to throw this on. Uh, although with a caveat, I did try to get my son to watch it and hmm. didn't work for him. Uh, to be fair, he's not a Western guy. I don't think many 11-year-olds really are. Uh, but he, I asked him for 15 minutes. He gave me 15 minutes, and then <laughs> he just noped out. Uh, yeah, I don't blame him. I kind of did the same thing in my 20s. So, All right, moving on to uh, television of 1993. Hope you like Christmas, because there's a lot of it. Uh, a Cool Like That Christmas on Fox, which is the most Fox <laughs> animated special you've ever heard of. Uh, What's your favorite animated performance by Dr. Dre? <laughs> <laughs> it's It's got a huge cast. Boys to Men, Reginald Vell Johnson, Whoopi Goldberg, among others. I've never been able to track down a good-looking copy of this, but it is so wonderfully 90s, you could do a lot worse. And uh, But I have no idea what Disney's The 12 Days of Christmas are. Uh, it's just a, hey, do you like... Public domain Christmas hits? Because oh your favorite costume Disney characters, no! not animated, just the uh. guys in costumes from the park will sing it to, to you. Oh. That's right. You get a very Merry Christmas. You get Deck the Halls, the 12 Days of Christmas, and Here Comes Santa. That, man, that is like nostalgia I've never revisited. Those Disney sing-along songs where they... Ooh, they'd shoot a music video in the park with the costume characters, mouths not moving, pantomiming lyrics at you. Don't miss. Don't miss at all. Uh, but I did not see RuPaul's Christmas Ball, BBC, taking the RuPaul reins oh. early on. Oh, my God. I just read about who appears in this. It sounds like this is the most 90s thing ever. Yeah. And I love it. Oh, are we going to uh, have a cooking uh, <laughs> segment with Eartha Kit? Sure. LaToya Jackson going to show up? Why not? So okay. is this like Drag Race Begins? Is this like her priming the pump for that 10 years from now? Uh, I mean, I guess the RuPaul show on MTV kind of is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's she's slowly creeping into the zeitgeist of doing like, yeah, variety programming. It's, she's, she's great at that. So I'm not sure baby JR knew that RuPaul was a drag queen in 1993. I had my suspicions. I think I just thought she was like a hot black lady. I had my suspicions, <laughs> but the boobs were awesome. So I looked and looked and didn't question. And, uh, All right. Yeah. I, 
think I first saw her with Milton Berle for some reason. Yeah, on, she was on, on uh, was it the VMAs? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I would, I would point her out in the, the Love Shack video. Like, you see that lady? Hot, right? Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. It, That's it, like a six and a half foot tall dude. A, a it's <laughs> weird to see how, like 30 years ago, pop culture totally embrace a drag queen as opposed to, you know, 25% of the country wanting to legislate it out of existence. But then like RuPaul mm-hmm. should have been like a Mr. T kind of character. Somebody that went away and starred in Radio Shack commercials. But instead, 30 years later, is more successful than almost anybody will talk about. <laughs> uh, holy shit. But what I, I have to hear the intro to this because I have no idea what I'm about to witness. So I... The clock is ticking down for Kurt Cobain. You know, it's really not going to be much longer. We're going to be able to talk about him on the show. I mean, he's going to disappear from drop out of society, basically, before he drops out of life. Yeah. But as we mentioned before, after he died, it was like everything is filled with gravitas Mm -hmm. when you see one of his clips. And that was not the case at all. So this is... (laughs) Nirvana just plugging RuPaul's Christmas ball. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Have Merry Christmas, everybody. And you too, RuPaul. We love RuPaul. <laughs> wow, Dave Grohl and... Dave Grohl being what we now know is actual Dave Grohl and Kurt Cobain leaving his deified super serious form to wave a giant flower in honor of RuPaul's Christmas ball. They were friends. Yeah. 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 Kurt and RuPaul were friends. Uh, there's some great photos of them from some event where, uh, yeah, Ru's holding Francis Bean, who's, you know, like a toddler. Wow. And they're just hanging out. And, you know, and RuPaul's because, you know, she's already a tall guy and then she wears heels. You know, she's a head and shoulders taller than everyone, wherever she goes. And then she had uh, Francis Bean as a guest judge on Drag Race. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so grown up. Well, 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 well. Oh, he loved those moments. And then if this yeah. Christmas wasn't good enough for television. Oh, one, yeah, uh, this is one of my favorites. Yeah, I think I, this might. I go back and forth with what's my favorite Mystery Science Theater 2000. Uh, Christmas, I think you got to love si- the 60s and MST a lot more to love Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. As far as a watchable movie goes, Santa Claus from 1959, is it's a Mexican movie, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's footage up to this point was used in fucking everything. It was used in commercials. I think it was public domain. It's used a fuckload in Muppet Babies. Like anybody that used stock Christmas footage, this movie is all Christmas footage in color. And yeah. and I, I had saw it so many times before I saw it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And it's so weird. Okay, it's so America weird. <laughs> cinema had like a stranglehold on the globe for most of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And I always go, why why was that? Why couldn't other people make their own version of a Disney movie that's just universally beloved around the world and then i watch something like mexico's 1959 santa claus and i'm like you're too weird you're too weird because this is about how santa uses kidnapped uh, child labor from all corners of the globe to battle a devil named pitch as he delivers uh presents to a handful of children and Oh, so weird. The weirdest Santa I have ever seen in any Christmas special ever. It is kind of an unsettling Santa at all times. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, um, what? 
okay, look, I I try to understand Christian cosmology, but I I don't. On Christmas, the this devil appears to just sort of like, hey, um, poor child, you should steal a doll because like you're super poor and you won't get any presents for Christmas. It's like, oh, we're about to address why poor kids don't get anything for Christmas. Why is Santa such a dick? No, no, we're Santa's not. Santa's oh, a we social can... Darwinist. Oh, we could just uh, just wish for new parents and Santa will bring them just boxed up in giant boxes. Why? Why is Satan here? And why did he wait till Christmas Eve? And I, why are these imprisoned children? And Santa's got a giant supercomputer and Merlin the wizard is there. I guess he built it and he's got like an eye that spies on the children from the clouds. So great. And well, the only thing I, I didn't do a ton of research in the film, but I have in the past Santa Claus wasn't like it was very much an American thing. And this is a Mexican film trying to take the iconography of another culture and make them a pretty lavish Mexican production before there was a lot of films being shot in color, I think, to be a success in the United States. So they're just taking what they understand of our Santa Claus to make a movie for us. And I I don't know. I don't know what Santa in Mexico is like. Do they go with a father? Christmas type thing I, I, I see think, kind of a mix of everything so I don't know I think I think he was very much a, a you know a white American concept and and slowly adopted and adapted uh, south of the border as well but like yeah. I just looked up Santa Mythos Mexico and I got Santa Muerte never mind <laughs> <laughs> or the Santa of death but I, it, I, I, drug dealers pray to me <laughs> it, it, I th if I love reading about Santa Claus Conquer the Martians and the guy who made it is just like why the fuck is anybody making movies about Santa Claus like all kids love it and you don't have to pay any rights everyone else is an idiot I'm making Santa Claus versus Conquers the Martians and yeah you, yeah he's your Bill Brasky he shouldn't be your, the star of your movie I think we've learned mm. that by now this has one of my favorite MST3K songs of all time. Ah. It's uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, if that's okay. <laughs> Let us all now sing our praises to the Lord today. Although you may not share our belief system, which is perfectly okay. Maybe you worship an abstract being that is kind of vague. Or maybe you just worship a guy whose name is Greg. <laughs> Perhaps your religion doesn't include a time called Lent, but whatever your religion is, we support you 100%. So sit Jesus Christ, Jesus. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've uh, I've actually tried to get some uh, English language uh, learners' classes to try to sing that, and it's usually been oh, a little too torture. advanced. But, oh. uh, no, you got to go yeah. with Patrick Swayze Christmas. I'm sorry. That's, that's uh, oh, you're the right. best Christmas song they ever did. It's very good. It gets really Jesus-y. Uh, what's Tibby's special delivery? A precious Oh, no. A precious moment. This is exactly what you think oh, it is. You, no. So, listeners, precious moments were these little figurines that your grandma collected for 30 years. She spent thousands of dollars on them. And then when she passed away, they all went into the landfill because no one wanted them. Yeah, I, as someone who's spent a lot of time in the Christmas section of thrift stores lately, I've been dodging them like fucking grenades. Get away from me, <laughs> precious moments. They are, I am worried about them because they might become beyond worthless. Like like an E.T. Atari cartridge might have to be paid. Our generation does not want these and they are flooded over at every thrift store. 
precious i yeah i've never even heard of this um, oh my god i'm looking at the cover of it and it's it seems to star a sleepy big-eyed angel, angel child and some animals <laughs> no thank yeah. you accurate uh, no thank you uh i games world what what are we, what is this i have no idea okay all right so <laughs> listeners i am not making a word of this up Games World, Season 3, Episode 16, UK television show about gaming. This episode sees the first appearance of the Peep Parlor, which was a computer-designed Peep Parlor where young video gamers would ask for advice from the games mistress, Diane Yulday, better known as Jet from Gladiator, and she would give you the answers as a mistress. Games mistress, can you help me get Mo without taking a hit on Bart vs. the Space Mutants? I'm the last person you should come to if you want to avoid getting hit. But seeing as though you've been so brave to come to me, I'll help you out. Go to Mo's tavern and stand on the stool. Fuck this. I hate this game. I don't want anybody to learn any tips and play it further. She's literally a dominatrix? Like That's her thing? That's her thing. Wow. And she's talking to Children. young boys. <laughs> In a dominatrix outfit, wow. with a dominatrix wow. uh, attitude and speech pattern, wow. and okay. again aimed at children. Someone yeah, yeah, had to write this. Someone had to produce it. Someone had to direct it, and someone had to let it go on the air. Is this? And this didn't happen once. Cancer, there were multiple episodes of can it. A, can a culture be too sex positive? We wanted to <laughs> introduce dominatrixes early on to our children. Uh, really sm- get get them ready to get smacked up. <laughs> oh, ball stepped on. Oh, god damn, that's ridiculous. Speaking of which, we can move into video games. I'll save the best for last. Uh, the Adventures of Doctor Franken, not an Al Franken game, sadly. Damn it! No, I know. Uh, you play Frankenstein's monster. There you go, oh. Pendance. Uh. <laughs> and as you go on a mission to collect the scattered body parts of his girlfriend, Bitsy. Because Bride of Frankenstein is copyrighted, but uh, you can just have a generic girlfriend who's in bits. And then we got a Barbie supermodel for the Super Nintendo. You better work. (laughs) For a game all about being pretty, it's a ugly, ugly game. (laughs) Like, the sprites are just, like, yuck. Uh, Yeah. Well, she'll get there. This is only, like, her third game or something like that. Uh <laughs> Nobunaga's ambition for Super Nintendo. Whew. What? Really assume so, every every teenage gamer is JR right now. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is a strategy game where you unify Japan during the Senjoku Jidai. And uh guess how many games in this series there have been? There are so many. <laughs> so oh no. Many. <laughs> I'm scared. 18. There are 18 Nobunaga's Ambition games out there if you want to play them all. It will take you a year. Wow. Okay, they really... He has a lot of ambition, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Just so much ambition. After like seven games, you think he'd be less ambitious, but no, that guy just keeps on ambitioning. God damn. And who could forget... Power, Jim Power, in the Lost Dimension in 3D for the Super Nintendo. The only thing anyone remembers about this game is that it is considered one of the hardest games of all time. And that is because they are trying to make 3D effects on a Super Nintendo 16-bit system 
by having parallax scrolling of the background moving in an opposite direction to give a sense of depth while you're wearing packaged 3D glasses. You might as well call this Headache the Game. Yeah, yeah. What the... I'll call this uh, Miyamoto's ambition. No, uh, too ambitious. Uh, and <laughs> oh my God, I'm looking at like, I'm trying to understand what you were talking about. So I'm looking at like a GIF of some gameplay and it's like there's multiple levels yeah. behind and they're all moving and they're moving in different directions. It looks like you're playing on a haunted carousel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing on a carousel. Oh my it, God. It looks like the visual representation of fingernails on a chalkboard. Oof. Oh. And, yeah, I but couldn't. It's strangely yeah. available on Steam right now. <laughs> you can buy it right now if you want. And then last and very leastly, I oh, no. hate this. Uh, <laughs> the CDI link the faces of evil and Zelda the Wand of Gamelon. Two very bizarre deals with the devil Nintendo struck trying to make its uh, Super Nintendo successor with a bunch of... Uh, more established electronics companies than Panasonic. They were CDI, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Philips, Philips, Philips interactive media. Yeah. And this is kind of why we have the PlayStation system at all. Nintendo was all set to go in to the games business with PlayStation. And then they pulled out at the last minute, like the literal last minute, like they were going to, make a big announcement at the consumer electronics show and they pulled out no notice just we're done we're not doing this with sony and in my mind and this didn't happen i'm just picturing the sony exec vowing a blood vengeance on (laughs) nintendo with a horde of samurai behind him as he swears to destroy the the dishonor they brought to sony because uh they went all in for their own game system after this and Nintendo went with Philips because they weren't afraid that Philips would steal their thunder. They were afraid Sony would just eat their lunch. Mm-hmm. Like if they teamed up with Sony, Sony would just do its own thing, which they did anyways. And so, yeah, that's why we have it's, the Sony PlayStation. It's, and, I think it's weird for gamers to think of Nintendo as a small company, but they are small at this point, small-ish and still very conservative and want to partner with a big electronics partner if... They've always had a console shortage issue, still do to this day. Uh, but if you can partner with the big boy, maybe you can learn about this wonderful new CD technology, and uh, which they don't have any experience with, let alone manufacturing it. And we get these two weird Zeldas from a handshake deal they forgot to cancel with Philips, and they are legendarily awful. They're bad. It, look, if I've heard of them as being bad, then they are the worst thing that ever happened. Because I don't know shit about games, but I can quote this. <laughs> yeah. There has been so much media made on this. God bless nerds and their unlimited free time millionaireness, because some of them have reanimated every scene from these in uh, their own art style. There, there is and... a, a spiritual successor to this game coming out soon. To, oh, God. Like, did you ever want a game but also Dr. Katz? No, no one ever said that. <laughs> no one ever yeah. said that. I was trying to figure out how to describe this animation style. And that's, yeah, it's kind of squiggle vision. Like, no one has joints. Like, every everything is just constantly sort of bending and moving in unrealistic ways. It, it's awful. And, and it's... It's, it's, God, it's unwatchable. It's, uh, it is almost exactly like the Star Wars holiday special. 
the company <laughs> would, would prefer you not know this exists. This will never be re-released in any capacity. But unlike the holiday special, you know, you can get ROMs. You can get a pristine new version of it and see and experience it for yourself. God love you. Uh, here's a little bit of the cutscenes. Gee, it sure is boring around here. My boy. I just wonder what Ganon's up to. Only Link. <laughs> I hate it. I don't want to hear any more of it. <laughs> oh my god. That is why Nintendo has never allowed Link to be voiced in a game ever since. Yeah. Well, they got a movie coming out, so let's figure it out, Nintendo. Music of 1993, uh, new release, Trash by Lagwagon. It's all you get. Hero by Mariah Carey is number one. So that is what we'll take you out uh, out with. Because there's a hero in all of us. Mariah Carey will tell you. I'll let her explain. She owns Christmas no matter what she does. Look at that. <laughs> God damn it. Someone stop her. All right. We'll see you in a bit. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. The 1980s were the golden age of mean hard R comedies. I think I was remembering my sanitized commercial television viewings because like Beverly D'Angelo is naked for like no reason and I totally forgot about that. I had forgotten all about that because that shocked me too. I was like, wait a minute. she We see her boobies a couple of times. I don't remember that. This might be a fact. This is the fourth National Lampoon movie? I was shocked to find that out because there's two I have never seen or heard of between Animal House. Two that are kind of lost. One of them's called uh, National Lampoon Goes to the Movies. And Class then, Reunion. Uh, Class Reunion. Yeah, that's right. I think this is the last movie that where it's clearly defined, like Harold Ramis is involved in this in some way. Like we have some DNA of people who yeah. worked in National Lampoon magazine. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of like anything goes. Now well, it's kind it, of like stoner frat comedies, but not always. They, it's really they, the company doesn't exist and they sold the I name. Think- to put on shitty movies that are like already being made, I believe. And they just, they'll affix the National Lampoon's, I guess the R is for the the magazine's reputation itself. It was pretty Hmm. fucking edgy for for its time. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Coming in with Headstrong by Trapped. Uh, welcome to 2003. <laughs> uh, it's what, one of the highest charting songs we hadn't played all year. So oh, I hate it so knock much. Knock them out. <laughs> um, welcome to 20 years ago, December 22nd to the 28th. Other new music releases include a self-titled album by Ryan Malcolm, Juve the Great by Juvenile, uh, I Love I See by Yusuf Islam, and Hey Ya by Outkast is still number one. Uh, no big shock. Scene. And then 2003, a little bit of news. Time's person of the year is the American soldier uh, where we have forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
among <laughs> other non-disclosed places, the globalists keep putting. Okay, congratulations, the American soldier. We won't give you mental health care or help you in any way. We'll keep yeah. sending you back over and over and over. But at least you're on a time cover. Is this the first time they give the Man of the Year award to a group? No. Like that's so. a couple million strong? Mm. Yeah. That's a lot of people. I mean, it's still more specific than you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's still my favorite. I do I... remember the you. And I was like, well, from now on, on every resume, I'm going to put mm-hmm. Time Magazine's Person of the Year. You. Yeah. And I did see a dumb news story. This is the year Brawny changed its <laughs> handsome man on the front to be a lot less 70s. <laughs> ah, oh, lost the sideburns and the mustache. Um, the Brawny guy changes this week. Boo. Um, movies of 2003, and there are a lot of them. So let's get it going. Lord of the Rings Return of the King is still number one at the box office because apparently things are right with the world every once in a while because I don't like any of these movies. James Franco, Malcolm McDowell, Nev Campbell, and The Company being first among them. Yeah, I figure this is not a movie for you, but it's me, Sarah. I'm sure loves it, uh, (laughs) because it is about a ballet company. But it's also a Robert Altman movie, which is funny that, like, Nev Campbell brought it to him and, like, you want to make this movie? And he's like, I don't know anything about dance. And she's like, but it's about a lot of people milling around. (laughs) And he's like, okay. You can have people dancing over people, dancing over people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty pretty much what you get. Yeah. You get uh, the ins and outs of all these different characters in, in this ballet company and their big production. And, uh, it, you know, it ends up being kind of essentially plotless because you're just sort of following the different people and their different stuff. And some people love that about Robert Altman and some people don't. But yeah. uh, I admit I didn't get around to watching it. It's the second to last movie. And yeah, I probably should have. I'm a dick. Sorry. There's a lot. Yeah. I'm busy. It's There's Grimbus. a lot this week, including uh, Ludwig Segner, Jason Isaacs, Rachel Hurdwood, and Jeremy Sumter in Peter Pan, an, a live-action adaptation of Peter Pan. I have very little patience for this kind of stuff. JR, you seem to have more. So I really like this. I think this is an excellent adaptation of Peter Pan. I think it's a much better adaptation than the ones I've seen recently. Mm. And I think it goes to some darker areas of Peter Pan mythology than most adaptations because the central dichotomy in Peter Pan tellings is, is Neverland the goal or is it a nightmare you are trying to wake up from? Because the original Peter Pan is much darker than people think it is. Peter Pan murders people in the original version. And this doesn't quite go that far, but I think it goes further than most versions I've seen, either animated or live action. It gets a little dark. Hmm. All right. All right. Yeah. This, it has a pretty good reputation just overall. Again, not not another one I got to, but uh, I can see Jason Isaacs as, as Hook pretty clearly. I can see him killing that. So, yeah. And it's directed by PJ Hogan, who I like. So Australian director did uh, Muriel's Wedding. So, mm. yeah. No, it has generally a pretty good reputation as, like, you want something more like the book, less disnified? Here you go. Well, then next up, we got something the old Dick Charm did not rub off on. Uh, <laughs> we got Joe Morton, Paul Giamatti, Uma Thurman, Aaron Eckhart, Ben Affleck in Paycheck. To protect a secret, they erased his memory. Now, 19 clues will show him. Your future awaits you no matter what you do. How to collect on the life he lost. Would you believe in second chances? I do. 
Ben Affleck, Aaron Eckhart, Uma Thurman. From director John Woo, Paycheck, rated PG-13. Oh, John Woo film. Swing and a miss. Uh, have not seen this since it came out, but oof. John Woo's last American movie no. for 20 years okay. until just now. What's the one that just now? Silent Night oh. with Joel Kinnaman, okay. which is supposed to be fairly literal. There's not a lot of talking in it. It sounds kind of interesting. Okay. Huh. It came out, um, yeah, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. John Woo directing a Philip K. Dick story. I was... And I'm even even I liked Ben Affleck then, still do, and saw this. I don't remember a fucking thing, <laughs> not one thing. I remember liking it. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but when it first came out, I liked how they played around with the. It's not really time travel. It's looking at the future and being able to predict what's going to happen enough so that you can take these everyday objects and use them to save your life. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I I do like mystery movies where it's like yeah here's here's a pile of random things these are going to turn out to be important and you have to figure out how these puzzle pieces fit into stuff it is weird that uh ben affleck and uh matt damon had movies about not being able to remember shit and being chased by guys and one of them everyone loves and this one everyone made the joke that's like why is he doing this movie it's right there in the title. There you go. Ah, there you uh, go. So, um, yeah, is it is not well regarded. Twenty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's just like it doesn't catch the John Woo magic or the Philip K. Dick magic. It's just sort of. Meh. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah. Would mm. either of you be willing to work at a job for three years? You never get to leave the complex for three years. Then have your memory erased. Of every second of working there. Severance situation. And, th- and you get enough money that you don't have to work again. Would you give up yes. those three years of... Yes? Yeah. What, what are you talking... I've wasted three years on so much stupid things. <laughs> yes, of course. Three years is nothing no. to me. No, I don't trust what they're doing to me. No, I don't care. <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> Just do whatever. Don't, don't trust them. I don't... How do I know that whole time I'm a, a sex slave? No. I'm no. In. I'm in. Anybody uh-uh. needs You wouldn't me. remember it. Anybody needs me for a three-year film exists. I don't like where this is going. No, 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 no. Um, and then next up, oh, Oscar Beatty time. Oscar Beatty. This movie was announced, and everyone was like, "Well, there's your best picture winner." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Renee Zellweger, Nicole Kidman, Jude Law. It's Cold Mountain. Everyone remember Cold Mountain? Everyone remembers Cold Mountain. I ain't getting shot for some cause. I don't believe it. Any soldier shall be hunted down like a dog. One man. One chance. One way home. That was seeing him come back to me. Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, Renee Zellweger. Cold Mountain. So it's based on an award-winning book. It's directed by Anthony Minghella, who did English Patient. It's got everybody. It's a period piece. Everybody. It's it's (laughs) It's, everything you're going to want. It's got the Weinsteins pulling a lot of favors and backhand, behind-the-scenes chicanery to get it nominated. Yep. And it's fine. I think it's pretty good. It does have a ton of people in it. I just left off. It's got uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Natalie Portman are both uh, pretty memorable in it. Kelly Murphy, Donald Sutherland. 
Yeah, it's uh, I, you know, it's about this couple, and it's a civil war, and they're in love, and he goes off to fight for the Confederacy, and then he's like, "Fuck this shit!" There's a big scary battle, and it's a pretty devastating scene of guys getting blown up and like literally getting blown out of their clothes the kind of thing that's like oh you never talk about that happening but that can happen Mm -hmm. and and then he goes on a journey that's kind of like uh the odyssey to get back to her There, there you go it's good it's well made it's well acted you know it's it it's a little slow and episodic because duh it's based on the odyssey uh you know it's the world's lightest recommend Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, Renee, I mean, Z- Renee Zellweger gets an Oscar because she's the comic relief for most of the movie. And then she gets one big dramatic scene where she gives a big speech and everyone's like, yay, that's Oscar ready. And uh, yeah, I have nothing else to say yeah. about it. But because I, I, d- I don't even want to go to the next movie because I hate that so hate that one so much. More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd watch Cold Mountain 15 times in a row rather than watch the next movie. It, it's so it's it's like I can't even recommend it because it's just so much Oscar bait. It's fine. fine. I you watch not, it. You're done watching it. You're like that was good. I not only don't don't recommend uh, the next movie, but I am angry at society for <laughs> making this uh, so successful and at least successful enough to get a sequel. Ashton Kutcher, Piper Parabu, Tom Welling, Hillary Duff, Bonnie Hunt, Steve Martin. It's cheaper by the dozen. Twelve kids. That's nuts. This Christmas, they asked me to go to New York. I can handle this. Mom's out of the house. <laughs> Clean up on aisle 12. The kids are out of control. How's it going? They're like kittens. And dad's going out of his mind. Things are getting pretty twisted around here. Steve Martin. I got him. I don't got him. Cheaper by the dozen. I, I think I've mentioned before, just something about Steve Martin, he just seems like the most unlikely movie star ever gray hair since the beginning yeah he's good decent looking guy huge comedy star for multiple decades every time you think it's over something like this happens and uh to since 1979 top lining number one comedies i deeply resent the audience constantly going to bat for these awful fucking family-friendly remakes and not what steve martin writes himself those are always Mm. the best fucking movies People love Steve Martin as a father, and yeah, he is my... not a father. Never has been. It's he is, called he is acting. Now. He is now. He is? He's got a young daughter, yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I, think it was, I think it was a joke uh, on, on the Five Timers Club. He's like, uh, you should retire. You're 75. And he's like, but I have the child of a 38-year-old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, Okay, he became a dad at the age of 67. Yeah, yeah, wow. he's got a young daughter. Oh, okay. he, he keeps threatening to leave only murders in the building because, like, I want to go support my daughter. <laughs> she just gets out of school. Uh, I don't want to work at night. Well, you know, hey, Father of the Bride is a remake of a classic comedy. What could go wrong? Well, first of all, it's not a remake. It's just Steve the, Martin and there's 12 kids. Yep. It's not actually a remake of the original. Um, He's got a lot of kids. Didn't we have to watch the sequel for this already for 302010? Why did I Maybe. have to view that at all? Oh, I hate I, this. Don't like. I don't. And if look, if you saw this as a kid and you have fond memories, sure. that's fine. You just got to remember you saw this as a kid when you had terrible taste. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Cheaper by the Dozen 2 was in 2005, so you would not have okay. covered it. Why for did I watch that? Oh, I hate myself. What was wrong with me? And, I don't and uh, another remake was released last year. 
Steve Martin mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, another remake of Cheaper by the Dozen. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But like, yeah, this this period of everything Steve Martin makes weirdly goes to number one, and they're bringing down the house. Pink Panther, mm-hmm. and I hate them. <laughs> I hate them so much. L.A. Story for Life. Um, oh, my God. All right. Not recommended. My big recommended is in TV, but I do consider it a fucking movie, even though I didn't get to experience mm. it, because that's how I got to experience it. Uh, 2003, December 22nd to the 28th. I just want to tip my hat right now to England. Christmas, they don't fuck around. They bring out the coolest entertainment every year. We'll talk about one in the next segment. Uh, The Office, UK edition, Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant version. It ends with a Christmas special after they threatened. They they were, no, we're not going to do a third season, but they somehow got them to do these two long episodes that together are a 90-minute movie, and it's one of the best endings I've ever seen. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, UK has a completely different Christmas television tradition than America. America has the tradition of let's run reruns, let's run old movies. The UK tradition is let's end the series. Let's have the biggest blowout and the biggest events happen on Christmas. The snowman, Robbie the reindeer, Dr. Hizzle. It it doesn't end, man. Love it. Love it. But uh, but yeah, this has one of the best endings of any television show of all time, I think, just because it mm-hmm. absolutely works. Uh, the British office and the American office are two completely different critters. Yeah. And I'm not going to enter into the debate which is better than the other apples and oranges. They're different things. The it's, it's... British version of the office was always intended. This is supposed to be real. Yes, that would get a joke if we had that, but that would never actually happen while people were filming. So we're not going to make that joke. The American version of The Office is Michael Scott is a cartoon character. He is not a real human being. He's hilarious. A deeply likable cartoon (laughs) character compared to David Brent, who is just just so lack self-reflection and impulse control. Such a prick, like like an angry it's it's amazing when I go back and watch the UK office and I, this is coming from someone who didn't wa- refuse to watch the first season of the office because of how much I like the British office uh, it, it mm-hmm. they can be enjoyed separately you can enjoy all of our cultural differences uh, like and see how they differ but David Brent's the biggest uh, David uh, Brent and Michael yeah. Scott yeah but th- and that's one of the things that makes this so great is there actually is a moment of him realizing wait a minute mm-hmm you're an asshole. Am I the like, asshole? Yeah, he kind of realizes that it's like, oh, I mean, that he has a he has a buddy who's more of an asshole than him. That's him, yep. but even more malevolent. And his recognition of, oh, wait a second, you're not a good person, and I'm acting like Chris you. Chris Finch, yeah, star uh, of Final Finch. Fantasy 16 this year, might yeah, nearly done. Uh, that's so <laughs> so rewarding. I'm just yeah. like, oh my god, finally you've noticed. Yeah, it puts it. She sucks. It puts the characters in a realistic ending that you want to see them in. Like, it's just so sweet and like, uh, and very and, and like, the last season of the American Office, or no, it's like the last couple episodes where they delve into like, this is a documentary people have seen. To me, that was fucking fascinating. Uh, mm. The first two seasons, why is anybody filming this documentary? Is it going to be seen? As of this point, it has been seen. Everything, there's been a total, uh, the complete change in the office. It's really cool. I can't recommend it enough. And I I almost hate having to say this. Warning, second half, second episode, you will be whamped. 
You will get whammed because oh. oh. Last Christmas is playing in the Christmas scene. I hate that I have to say that because that's such a nice song and somebody's favorite everywhere and we shouldn't dread hearing it. It's a fun game and I like playing it. I was out weeks ago, uh, but I just figured I'd warn. Thank you, boy. I warned you uh, because you should watch this if you've never seen it. One of the things I loved about the Office UK version ending is that they're all about to get fired and everyone is like hopeful about it. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Uh, well, I guess I'll finally have to make change in my life. I guess this is going to push me out because there is an expression being stuck in the middle. You know, Mm -hmm. when things are going great, you're advancing, you're moving. When things are going god-awful horrible, you will usually find the internal motivation to make life changes that will make you change. But when you're just kind of middling along... I'm listening. You don't don't (laughs) have that urge to change your life, even though you think change would be for the better. And so the British office really explored that of like, none of you guys like working here, but it doesn't suck enough that you're just going to quit. But if you got fired, something outside of your control, then you're going to have to make some life changes. And they all talk about how much better their life changes will be. And maybe some of them would do it and probably some of them wouldn't. But it's like this hopeful view of the future that gets crushed by them not being fired. <laughs> they also let's they also live in the government that doesn't completely abandon people in their biggest time of need and they have free health care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they do have the health care. Yeah, I know. It's all about grabbing that Christatunity. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I can't recommend this enough. It uh there was a sizable delay in getting this in America. So like I, I say if you haven't seen it, like it came in the complete uh, the complete office set, but like if you picked up the seasons, it was really weird. There was just like a single DVD that released two years after this in America that you might not even know exists. So yeah, I think it finally ran like on BBC America like a couple of years later. <laughs> that yeah. was like late at night. I was like, wait, what? It, There's it, another Office episode? It, it feels like such a dated phenomenon. Like, you didn't have a plan to show this to the United States for a year? There are major Office fans here. The show's been off for two years. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. But that's that's my biggest recommendation of this entire segment, uh, the Office Christmas specials. Um, yeah. Great, great Office movie. Way better than that awful David Brent movie he made a few years ago. Um, on the road with none of the cast members are Stephen Merchant. Oh, Ricky Gervais. He's too much like David Brent. <laughs> and shows I'm not watching Eight Simple Eight Simple Rules. Merry Christmas. The story of Anne Frank and Skeevy. Excuse me. I just had to throw this in there because of the name. Yeah. What? What the fuck? <laughs> um. The, the, are yeah. there are there commas missing? And no. comma Frank commas and Frank and nope. Stevie. No, it's 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 right there in the title. You can't expect us to watch eight simple rules. Not in a not in a post uh post I'm um, losing his name. My brain sucks. Yeah, post Ritter. Post Ritter world. Ritter, yeah. Uh Cartoon Network this week, the night before before like the battleship position, uh Christmas on Cartoon Network. Ten years to so the day, another hip hoppy Christmas special. Yeah, uh, 10 years is, I guess, how much time has to pass before you can have another black (laughs) animated Christmas special, because not many of them. Yeah, yeah. See see what we get instead of the office Christmas specials? Uh, You can find this all on YouTube, but I don't know. I didn't see much fandom pop up with a light Google glance. I'll tell you what I'm confused about. How many Christmas specials does Dolly Parton have? I would. I, the only thing I can tell you right now is too many. Because, like, which one do you watch? She has a 
Christmas movie franchise she's barely in. She has specials. She has concerts. And Dollywood's A Christmas Carol. What? It, it's like the millionth adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. In Dolly Parton do- shot is in the Dollywood? ghost of Christmas past. Uh, yeah, all, all the ghosts appear on stage as holograms in Dollywood. Jesus Christ. Where did this okay, air? Okay, so this is actually a staged Christmas Carol in at Dollywood. Dollywood. Gotcha. And gotcha. it's live. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, See, man. I'm I'm just thinking like, yes, what what is <laughs> I'm thinking Dolly Parton as Ebenezer Scrooge and it's like, yeah, what would happen if she didn't exist? It, it, <laughs> Mad Max. It, it would Yeah. <laughs> it would be a, an apocalypse just constantly. She's the only thing keeping society. She'd be buried with a stake of Holly three heart, should <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did not see this. And then as we move on to games, none. Nobody. There's no release in a game in a pre-digital world. No one no one wants to see their, their game fail at Christmas. Wait a while. Yeah. Wait for those gift yeah. certificates to get opened. Uh, and then a rare book citing from 20 years ago. What do we got, JR? You had to put this We one. got Rubicon, The Rubicon. Last Years of the Roman Republic by Tom Holland. Uh, this is oh. maybe my favorite Spider-Man? history book about the Roman Empire. Uh, it really gets into all the backstabbing and double dealing that is going on as the Republic is collapsing around people's uh, eyes. And, uh, you know, this is 2003. This is kind of like the height of the Sopranos. And the author never gets into it. But if you read it, it is like watching a mob war in Afrin action mm. because, mm. okay. Chris, the Roman Empire was an empire with an emperor for about 450 years, mm-hmm. okay? During that 450 years, what was the process that determined who would be the next emperor? I think a stabbing or, or something like that. Not, not... The, <laughs> the answer is there is none. Oh, okay. For 450 <laughs> years, they did not have some systematic way of having the next emperor. It changed all the time. It was constantly in flux. There was no legitimacy, much like a mafia don. Mm. You know, who is going to be the leader of the mafia? Whoever can get the most soldiers on this side. I can Period. finally retire. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it totally puts you in that mindset, only ancient Roman togas. It's a really good work. Cool. Cool. Well, yes. Thank you. We got a short segment here with a bunch of unrecommendable movies. Uh, yeah. Other than Peter Pan, J.R., uh, <laughs> but we'll go out Light with recommend, yeah. Calling All Angels by Train. Hopefully our only train song. Uh, <laughs> and, but don't go away. we got one more segment right after this. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of December 22nd through 28th, happy Christmas, etc. Let's talk about some movies. We got some good stuff. Starting with 90 years ago. Nine zero years ago saw the release of uh, my favorite Greta Garbo movie. It's Queen Christina, where she stars as the former Queen of Sweden during the Thirty Years War. Wait, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. She disguises herself as a man and so that she can travel and then she falls in love with John Gilbert and 
uh, it's very romantic and very like empowering. And Greta Garbo rules, and John Gilbert didn't have much of a talking career, and she kind of went to bat for him to bring him in, and uh, he's really good. And I'm kind of bummed that he didn't have uh, more of a talking career. But uh, yeah, Queen Queen Christina, very gender bendy, the kind of thing that they could not get away with in Hollywood. Honestly, a year or two later, because like censorship and stuff. So if you had to watch one Greta Garbo movie, this is probably a good place to start. You can try to get like, why was she a thing? So. Yeah, 1933, though. Holy crap. And then uh, let's go to 50 years ago. This week, we got some news. Happy 50th birthday to the Endangered Species Act. Maybe the best thing Nixon ever did? I don't know. He actually did some good environmental stuff. Maybe he was trying to distract from the unpleasantness. I don't fucking know. But yay, I like not seeing panda skin jackets on people, I guess. Yay. Uh, And then... For movies, two huge recommendations, and it's kind of a Barbenheimer in that they don't go together, but they both made all of the money, and they were released right next to each other, starting with The Sting from 1973, uh, directed by George Roy Hill, reteaming with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. It's the 30s, they're card sharps and con artists, and they're going to take down Robert Shaw because uh, he, he killed Robert Redford's friend, who's played by James Earl Jones' dad. My God, this is such a crowd pleaser. It is so much fun. You know, con after con after con, layer and layers. These two guys, they work together so brilliantly. It's such a bummer they only did the two movies together because, like, I don't know, their personalities clash in just the, the right way. It's like, I can tell you guys are becoming, like, best friends, but also you're, like, exasperated with each other as you're running this complicated con. So many twists and turns. Real fun, you know, Scott Joplin piano music. Yeah, a good one for the holidays for the whole family. I think you'll enjoy it. And then, in direct opposition, 50 years ago this week also saw the release of The Exorcist, uh, one of the scariest movies ever made, or at least most legendary scary movies with uh, Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Jason Miller, and uh, Max von Sydow playing a lot older than he actually was. But they did a good makeup job because, like, as he got older, that is kind of what he ended up looking like. I, I don't know what I can say about this. This movie is freaking legendary. It, it freaked people out. People started having psychosomatic possession issues and fainting and throwing up in, in the uh, the movie theater. And the hype was extreme. The filming of it was horrible. William Friedkin slapped a priest on set. A real one. Anyway, yeah, you, there's plenty. There's documentaries. There's plenty you can read about the background of The Exorcist. Just watching it as a movie, you understand why it, it works so well. It's a, it's a slow burn. You slow these things creeping in and creeping in. Until by the end, literally all hell is broken loose. Huge recommend. Love watching The Exorcist. Love freaking people out, showing it to him for the first time with all the lights out. And they're like, why am I so nervous? Nothing's happening. And I was like, yeah, because that's movie magic, baby. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with Wake Me Up by Avicii, welcome to 10 Years Ago, 2013, December 22nd to 28th. Other new music releases include Journals by The Biebs, Justin Bieber, Rain Effects by Rain, and EP2 by The Pixies. That's confusing. 2013 Pixies album titled 2. The Monster by Eminem featuring Rihanna is still number one. Would you like to know this? Uh, the Times Person of the Year this year? 
The Pope. Yeah. The Pope. Oh, the Pope. The Pope. Pope, Pope hey, Francis? I don't know. I hear that's not his real name. <laughs> What's he hiding? No opinion on the Pope. I yeah. like the Pope. I'm over the Pope. Um, As Popes go, I think he's one of the good ones. All right. All right. I'll take it. I'm sure my grandfather would be happy to hear that. Were he alive? Uh, mm-hmm. Movies of 2013, December 22nd through 28th. The Hobbit, Desolation of Schmaug, is still number one at the box office. But boy, is he getting some strong contenders this week. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Um, <laughs> up first, we have John Barenthal, Kim Basinger, Basinger, Kevin Hart, Alan Arkin, Robert De Niro, and Sylvester Stallone in Grudge Match. This is so timely because every review I read mentioned grumpy old men. It, it is a little... But it's just, they're only three years apart in age. Yeah, yeah. Sylvester Stallone it, looks fine in the ring. Robert De Niro looks ridiculous. It, 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 he looks like someone escaped from an old folks home. Because Sylvester Stallone is an action star who has always put huge work into his body. Yeah. Monumental effort over decades. And Robert De Niro was never that guy. You know, he was in Raging Bull, but that was just, you know, a part. He was much more uh, just an actor's actor. So, yeah, they I get why they cast these two because of Rocky and Raging Bull. But Robert De Niro is not Sylvester Stallone's equal. I mean, look at the, the, their two bodies. You should be like, well, you should just clobber this guy in round one. What's what's the yeah, drama? But it, it, what I think what makes it all the more absurd to me is that Stallone already made this movie. It was called Rocky Balboa, and it's yeah. not that old at this point. And why would you make a movie this similar to your previous film as a different character? This is like right in between Creed and Rocky Rocky Six. <laughs> is this I had stupid to look movie. up if Rocky Balboa came before this, and I was like, definitely, because I was like, was it did it did completely? But my timeline was all fucked up, and I couldn't recall off the top of my head. And then I was like. Okay, so what are you trying to do here? And the answer is he's trying to make a comedy. Rocky Balboa yeah. was a complete serious drama. In my opinion, the best Rocky movie of all time is Rocky oh, Balboa. Really? Yeah, I'm, right. I'm going there. Yeah, all and right. uh, so he accomplished that goal. He wanted the character to go out on that note, and then Creed came along, which, yay, because I love that series. But he wanted that character to have the ending he wanted it but he obviously loves boxing he's obviously interested in the boxing world so if he ever wanted to return to the boxing world where could it be as well a comedy is an obvious fit and this is another light comedy about old men who are wanting to prove that their lives are not over that they can still grow they can still change they can still have not a new experience but kind of a new experience because they're coming back to something after so long yeah, but I, the thing is boxing. It's getting punched in the head until you have a concussion. <laughs> it's not finding love with Anne Margaret. <laughs> True. <laughs> but can we play the stinger that was at the I, end I of Grudge this. Match? Oh, boy. I saw the movie, did not see the stinger. Now, I can get you seven figures, maybe even eight. Bottom lines, I can get you guys paid. What do you say? I'm in. Here you go. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. What about you, Evander? No. Come on, Evander. So what? The man went a little bad shit and bit your ear off. It's not like he liked the way you tasted. Tastes like ass. Did you hear what he just said? You didn't taste good. And Mike, can you do me a favor? Can you tell him you're sorry, please? Sorry. Mike, like you mean it. Sorry. I felt that. Come on, Evander, what do you say? No. <laughs> That's essentially what the movie's about, too. Long-time rivals, way past their prime, getting back together to fight again. 
But there is serious talk right now at this moment about a rematch between Mike Tyson and I, Evander yeah. Holyfield, and they would absolutely be the same ages as Sylvester wow. Stallone and Robert De Niro's characters, characters are. Wow. So By it's 60. not impossible. They'd be 60. It and, was a huge deal when when Foreman won the title and he was, what, like 42 or something? Well, oh this God. isn't winning the title. This is an exhibition match. Exhibition. It's a different... Yeah. Um, but, so for me, boxing is one of the few things that is on the list of things JR wants to experience, but will literally never do. I always wanted to box. However, uh, I just never got around to it. And uh, eventually I needed surgery on my neck. I had to have one of my discs replaced and my neck, even though the surgery is almost two years old, always still feels a little stiff yeah. it's you, a little can't. icky you, so yeah you can't go in even with a bucket on you can't go in don't do exactly it. so that is something i'll never get experienced now so i'm always a little bummed about that but i've loved watching documentaries about boxers it is a fascinating sport yeah. to me in documentary style i've only watched a couple it's of great. matches there's live. Not like a team involved it's it's a dude or mm -hmm. a gal uh, to yeah. one person mm -hmm. ultimately so it's it's very one-on-one -on -one, very mm -hmm. uh, uh individual and there's tons of great stories and you know for me the 90s of mike tyson that's yeah. where most of my boxing knowledge came from i i just didn't follow anything after mike uh fell I mean, away that the whole sport is kind of falling apart buoyed only by people like jake paul bringing new fans and great shame of the opinion of the boxing stalwarts, great shame upon the, the title and exhibition yeah. matches that keep happening to renew interest because there yeah. just isn't any well, anymore. They're actually, well, I mean, some of it is there's a, actually competition versus boxing of mm -hmm. MMA. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. which is, you know. In this film, they have yeah. them uh, go to an MMA tournament, make fun of it, you know, old, old man humor because. Yeah. I, yeah. So much. Like, I. I tried to suck it up and watch this movie it's because bad. yes, I love I love Rocky and I love Raging Bull so much. I love boxing. And I was like, maybe there's something every review I read was like Kevin Hart and Alan Arkin are the reasons you should watch this movie. The rest of it will make you depressed. And so uh given the choice, I, I was like, I can't do this to myself. The Peter Travers review from Rolling Stone uses the word sad, 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 yes. sad. Like, pissing on the pissing on their. It. I'm not doing it to myself. Two actors pissing on their iconic roles, I believe he said. Oh. Yeah. I don't God recommend it. it. Uh, a movie I bounced out of pretty quickly because I couldn't deal with it. Uh, Rinoko Kikuchi. <laughs> the behind the scenes on, on some of this is way more interesting than this movie. Uh, Tadanobu Asana Keu Shibasaki. Hiroyuki Sanada and Keanu Reeves in 47 Ronin, the 47th version of Robert yes. Nero's Ronin. Uh, I know. I haven't watched Ronin 1 through 46. I, damn do. it. That was the better joke. <laughs> uh, that was a better joke. But, uh, but yeah, a very wholly bizarre film, Like especially coming off of Last Samurai. And uh, so expensive. Yeah. This movie costs like $200 million. Yeah, it seemed... it. it, it thought it was it was cornering every quadrant we're going to tell a very popular japanese tale based in real history and then add monsters <laughs> and like <laughs> we'll have the lord of the rings audience we'll have the the kung fu audience we'll have the japanese historical audience hell yeah and it turns out it, they made kind of a film for no one this is such a weird phase of keanu reeves career yeah though, because this is 
post-Matrix. Matrix has been over for over 10 years at this point. And it's pre his really John big... Wick. Yeah. And so he's not that huge of a star when this movie comes out. True. But he show, he, what I like is he's showing his aptitude or at least willingness to engage with stuntery, like something he learned on the matrix, like to really care about that aspect of the business, which brought us to John wick. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movie series of the last decade. I love it. Yeah. I love John wick. So, yeah, but so, this movie so though, yeah. <laughs> I have no patience for it. None. It's on Peacock. Yeah. You, your mileage may vary. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out like how, how did this director get this job yeah. like he he made a short film it, it did very well and they were talking to him about maybe remaking logan's run or something and he, you know he's doing commercials whatever and somehow he ends up with yeah this like 200 million dollar movie that's going to be kind of a hard sell and right now uh the people that are left on twitter are having fun with this guy because it seems that he has scammed netflix out of 50 million dollars what cool what? i want to do it yeah this story i i'm want to read more about this story so uh yeah eric wrench whose only film credit is directing 47 ronin got uh like 50 million dollars from netflix to work on a show and he threw a bunch of it into dogecoin and bought <laughs> a rolls yeah. royce Hell yeah. <laughs> and it, it, he just threw the money around like an idiot and now they're not sure what they could do to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's what it would. Man, I wish uh, we could skip the next movie and just go straight to talking about our last film because that is some Wolf of Wall Street shit right there. But yeah, Forty Seven Ronin. Um, I've never heard a good thing about it. Yeah, I couldn't get into it, and it, it, it's it's the question I was going to ask for every movie on this list, but mostly for this: Is this terrible? Catherine Hahn, Adam Scott, Sean Penn, Shirley MacLaine, Kristen Wiig, Ben Stiller, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty always dreamed about traveling the world. Where have you been? Testing the limits of the human spirit. I like that. Making new friends. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That sucked. And swimming with sharks. This holiday season, he'll discover real life is better than his wildest dreams. Walter Mitty is the feel-good comedy for the dreamer in all of us. You want to go with me? The Secret Life of Walter Mitty made it PG. Dude, I cannot tell. I know I don't like this movie. I don't. I don't want to call it one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Because every time I would say, like, feel that, like this twee schmaltzy non Benjamin Button nonsense, and they cut to making fun of Benjamin Button. <laughs> and and then but then the more I thought I didn't get those scenes where is the funny in this movie this fucking fake Wes Anderson sad Zachary uh, I saw somebody call this a series of Super Bowl just do it ads because it looks <laughs> it looks gorgeous and the movie markets itself like it's going to be doing all these comedic cutaways which they're not they're mostly fucking maudlin and ridiculous and I don't know I I there's so many parts that this movie is gorgeous and has laugh out loud moments and is overindulgent and kind of terrible, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. I I feel kind of exactly the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we have another remake like Cheaper by the Dozen, which takes this takes more of the original premise from you know the like the Danny Kaye movie and the short well, yeah, story. Yeah. Question, because like looking yeah. up like this is being developed for twenty five years. 
Yes. With Jim Carrey <laughs> coming off of Dumb and Dumber. That's how long this is in consistent development. Did you guys read this in high school? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. See, see, this was one of my assigned stories in high school that okay. just has stuck with me for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. That, that's why that's that was my question to Diana, but I can pose it to you, Jr. Well, like, what was it about the original movie or the story that like had people have Spielberg was attached to this, like a hard a, a quarter of a century hard on for this silly movie? And again, I don't I don't mean to shit on it because I like parts of it, but I still think it's overall dumb. It is dumb and indulgent, and Ben Stiller well, got in over his head. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, going back to the original story, which is literally like a guy is waiting for his wife at the hairdresser, I think, and he just starts imagining fanciful, you know, exciting things that he could be doing. Mm-hmm. He starts and, imagining Family Guy cutaways. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, the movie with Danny Kaye, you know, blows that up more in that he's like he's a boring salary man and he doesn't like his life. And, you know, he imagines suddenly having to rescue the girl and suddenly having to pilot the plane. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing where he's a boring guy and he is imagining exciting things he could do, but he can't, he won't do them. He's mm-hmm. too boring. And then in the end he learns, you know, like take chances, come out of your shell, speak well, up for I, yourself. It's a fascinating topic to cover. I looked it up. The clinical term is maladaptive daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Now, it's exactly what it sounds. It's daydreaming to an excessive amount. And looking into it, yeah, I probably do that. I probably daydream more than is good for me because I tend to have just elaborate scenarios I'll go into. I was really into alternate history for a while. And it was just a way for my brain to just go down mental rabbit holes that can never be proven because alternate mm-hmm. history is not provable. It's just a mental exercise. And then, you know, got less away into that. But I still just have these times when I'm just not being present because I'm thinking of something that could literally never, ever, ever happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. But uh, yeah, that's, not, so that's not... the first that's the first half of the movie is that, yeah, Ben Stiller, he works at Life magazine, which actually went under in 2000. That's um, what that's what I like <laughs> about the movie, because somebody needed to tell the shitty story about the undoing of Life magazine. We can all laugh. Internet fans. Life is how the world visually learned about the rest of it about itself for a really long time and maybe it didn't have a purpose moving forward but it was i thought it was pretty cool that they got the rights to life magazine to basically tell this small story of the ending of life magazine and because the story of the the goal of the movie is to get the perfect final cover for the last issue of this century old magazine that really in real life closed down a little earlier but a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. but yeah and so he's He's a boring guy. He's closed off. He's he's nervous. He's neurotic. And so he has these, you know, flights of fancy where he could do all the things that he's too afraid to do. And that is all of that is really fun because they all go so over the top, you know, of him launching himself off of a train platform through a window into a burning building, bringing out a three legged dog and building it a prosthetic. Here you go. That was really cute. But then then halfway through the movie those disappear because he actually does pull the trigger and go on an adventure and he goes first to greenland and then ends up on a boat fighting sharks and then he ends up in iceland which is stunning every movie should shoot in iceland even even greenland was shot in iceland and i i I haven't been as many places as our boy jr but i have been to iceland semi-recently and like i knew exactly where that was that stuff was being shot that was pretty awesome yeah. And so, yeah, he has to go on this adventure. So 
the daydreams kind of stop, which kind of makes the movie less fun. It does become a little bit schmaltzier at that point. Uh, it is yeah, weird when he transforms. Two... The director transforms himself into miraculously handsome over the course of a few hours. Yeah, I think it's, it is it, weird that the we color have between... returns to his hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that between this and Anchorman two, we have two weeks in a row of Kristen Wiig being the perfect woman for nerds ah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and uh, I, let me also say I love Ben Stiller and I love the stuff he directs usually, and I love some of the direction here. But I, mm. I, 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 I didn't. I wasn't even going to bring it up until I saw other critics bring it up too. The idea that this is an impossible human being and a millionaire's idea of what an everyday person is like. And hmm. seriously, they have no idea what a job is, how people interact at jobs. This dude is too meek, impossibly meek. Like, well, no. I found that the boss was an alien from Mars. If you could play <laughs> this clip and just picture that this is not a human being who is a bad boss, but is an alien who is trying to discover these weird human creatures and what the boss it does. Do you think if I hit him with a paperclip, would he move? Yeah, I don't know. Do it. Oh, hello. I actually threw a toner box at him once. Yeah, did he move? <laughs> no, I, I missed. Great story. Ground control to Major Tom. Can you hear me, Major Tom? Okay, I, I also don't like that his daydreams make him stop moving and, <laughs> and 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 people can fuck with him i think it's fortuitous jr mentioned a scenario earlier ben stiller would go on to direct the wonderful adam scott in severance the apple tv series about your mind being erased every time you leave work so you don't know what you yep. do and what what you do once you leave the building so adam scott gets to play the walter mitty character uh also directed by ben stiller neat yeah, and, and the movie's better been... <laughs> every time Adam Scott's on screen because I think it it's it's best when it's a little funnier and it totally mm. forgets to be funny about uh, a third of the way in. Yeah, well, I mean, that I don't know. my husband Button made an interesting parody point. is hilarious. It is great. <laughs> yeah, but well, my husband made an interesting point about Adam Scott and his ridiculous versatility as an actor that he is so so good at playing yuppie scum. Yes, but also so so good at playing like lovable losers yeah. like nerds mm -hmm. he could do, do he could do both he is genetically bred to do both perfectly because he is yeah that was one thing i mean as as someone who's actually in print journalism still somehow that definitely got to me the mm -hmm. idea of like yeah we're going to dismantle life magazine and it's all these Horribly guys depressing. in terrible beards who don't know a goddamn thing about what they're doing they have no idea he keeps reusing the same words over and over because he wants to sound smart because he's easy he's an nothing he's a robot alien you're right yeah he's a fucking parasite uh, yeah i mean overall it's a light recommend for me Oof. I, because yeah look there's some people yeah they're gonna see it exactly like you chris like this is some schmaltzy shit and some people maybe that'll click with them especially at the holidays but i don't need to because like i like so many parts of it I like the karaoke scene. I like the Benjamin Button scene. I the skateboarding scene. Rodney Mullen I found out on the skateboard. That was that was cool. That was beautiful. That was unbelievably mm. shot. Just a, a, the images in the water were astonishing. Just gorgeous. And there's so much to compliment in the movie and then everyone's like, "Man, is this terrible?" Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, I just got, I had to ask, is it terrible? Like 50 times in the, during the movie amidst a bunch of stuff I'd like, but there's, I don't know what I wanted more, but I, I did want a movie exactly like this, I, like a big budget heartfelt fantasy movie 
Um, and this is just not quite that. I'm trying to think of what I, what I can compare it to. Ah, uh, well, we can just move on to the next film, and I can reveal the asshole I truly am for preferring this. Rob Reiner, Kyle Chandler, Matthew McConaughey, Margot Robbie, Jonah Hill, and Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. I was raised in a tiny apartment in Queens. First rule of Wall Street. Nobody knows if a stock is going to go up, down. It's like that. I started my own firm out of an abandoned auto body shop. Is that your car on the line? Yeah. You show me a pay stuff, I quit my job right now. Hey, listen, I quit. Yeah, I'm going into stocks. Is all this legal? This is insane. <laughs> Trying to make a name for ourselves. The Wolf of Wall Street. Rated R. I love Wolf of Wall Street. I think it's great. Damn. I could talk for like five hours for this movie, so I'm going to try to keep it to the barest minimum. One of my big complaints is the title. Mm -hmm. I have a better title. Mm -hmm. American. Yeah. Uh, Wall Street Goodfellas. No, just American. How Mm -hmm. about American Dream? Yeah. Because this movie is about everything bad about about America. (laughs) The priorities we have, the punitive... That there is no punishment for people like this, for for life ruiners. Hey, you got a loophole. Glad you got rich. Um, it's amazing this came out the same uh, a week after American Hustle because they they are both about you know the greedy pieces of shit. Yes, and this one, I mean that this one was cartoonish. This takes it to such a crazy level. It's so fun. I it is so fun, and I mean I got to just mention right off the top if you think that Jordan Belfort in this movie is cool and someone to emulate, you need to check yourself into a hospital. Yeah. Or, or go work at a business and get promoted a lot because that's probably what will end up happening. So it amazes me on some level that this character has utterly replaced Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko is not referenced nearly as much as this character is referenced. Yeah. The embodiment of greed and unrestrained, Mm -hmm. unregulated greed. So yeah. I think as a film, this is a fantastic film. I do have one problem with it. Hmm. We mm-hmm. see Leonardo DiCaprio's character do all these deals and get rich doing them. The problem is film is a visual medium. What you really needed to do is you needed to show some individual people whose life he ruined. Mm-hmm. You need to mm-hmm. see the 60-year-old plumber who invested half of his retirement account on this guy's advice and lost it in those penny stocks. But uh, he got his 50% commission, so he doesn't care. I, but now the 60-year-old plumber has to work for another 10 years. I agree. They only you show know, the triumphs sh- of, of them screwing over said people. And I, I understand the criticism of people because no one questioned whether Martin Scorsese was pro-gangster during Goodfellas because – you kind of we kind of know the guy he's a nerd who likes film and family he's he's not he's not a person who likes people like that but he did make a movie that does look very glorifying of these people and i and and the, i can't defend it because they put jordan belfort in the movie mm-hmm. uh, and the only excuse yeah. i have of this i think this was a leonardo DiCaprio project he convinced scorsese to do and he just wh- whipped some scorsese on it maybe not as thoughtfully as he would have a, a project of his own yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I agree that it would be so interesting to just, yeah, in the middle of something, cut away to some guy realizing mm-hmm. his pension is fuck now. Yeah. Because, because this guy is crashing a helicopter, not caring about it. But also, he's narrating the film, mm-hmm. and he is yeah. an unreliable narrator. And True. so many That's people seem to lose 
track of the fact that this is this guy who is a bullshit artist. American bullshit would also be a fantastic title for this movie. He is a bullshit artist. He is lying to others and he is lying to himself constantly. That's yeah. all he does. He's the movie opens with him blowing smoke up a woman's ass. It's the best. I have yeah. ne- not been in a movie that I, w- I saw this in Tallahassee, Florida over Christmas 10 years ago. And I have never seen so many walkouts. So many people vocally upset, especially at the gay orgy sequence, which is just <laughs> wonderful Scorsese indulgence. Just I, I said it with The Parted, like, I didn't know he had this pep in him to film shit mm-hmm. like this. And this is Leonardo DiCaprio's funniest fucking movie he's ever is, made. He got robbed for the Oscar. I, I think this is his best performance of all time. Thank because you. Because <laughs> I can't imagine anyone else doing what he does in this. The Quaalude scene is the oh. best acted scene of 2013, bar none. That oh. should have been in the Academy uh, Award reel. That Quaalude scene. It's... I mean, this movie revels in the excess to such a fantastic degree and we would not be talking about it with such reverence 10 years later if it didn't do that if it didn't just go look at me blowing coke up a hooker's ass while i crash my helicopter and toss a little person and you know that scene of uh, him, him getting out of the helicopter walking for four feet and then doing the most charlie chaplin fall into his own pool (laughs) is one of the funniest fucking things i've ever seen and leonardo DiCaprio was brilliant (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is my favorite performance of his. Totally. By far. I, I try to imagine anyone else going that big and, and I can't. And like and you follow it. You don't feel like he's acting. You feel like, oh no, he believes everything he says because he's a liar. Mm-hmm. All he does he just wants money. Why? So you have money. And so you can buy stuff and have more money. That fucking speech, McConaughey like, dude, how clear how clear was it that McConaughey had just got done filming Dallas Buyers Club? He's so skinny. He is. I know. He is this in the same shape. I never thought I'd have the luxury of seeing those movies this close together. But just him saying, like, we don't make anybody's wishes come true. We make money off of every transaction. The only goal is to get the most transactions. You are not a fiduciary. You are not. You do not need to help these people. Take their money. They want to give it to you. You don't. We don't make. Anything. anything we make nothing you are a, you are a fucking value. atm transaction fee with a phone it oh so good so when do we talk about ms robbie because i cannot remember the last time an actress just showed up on screen and fucking exploded yeah. everyone goes holy mm-hmm. shit where has she been i missed yeah. the show pan am starring her mm-hmm. and christina ricci i encourage my fellow perverts to go look at those pictures because they are both gorgeous in some amazing 60s uh, flight attendant get-ups. I think the world had, had their attention on her. But she has like, a huge role here, even though she's like naked in the first like 20 minutes, like 10 minutes. Very naked, a lot naked. I don't, I don't know what else I need to see in Margot Robbie after this movie. <laughs> I, it, she is so good. I think... The first time I watched this movie, I thought that her accent was going too far. Mm-hmm. And then I watched video of the actual person and realized, oh, oh she actually toned it down a <laughs> tiny bit. <laughs> She's actually trying to make it less wow. cartoony, even though she is such a cartoony kind of person. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. Mommy can't bear to wear panties today. <laughs> that scene is amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> she is so great in this. And I, I also love that, like, 
Scorsese cast like three directors in that who are also actors: Spike Jones, John Favreau, and Rob Reiner in sizable parts. And yeah. love it. Lo- I, I, there's a, I understand people's complaints about this, but this is such a fun fucking film. And the, the Laser Time just posted something about like, uh, I can be a fan of this and not interact with the community at all. If you love Wolf of Wall Street, I don't, I don't want to hang out with you. Or if you love it in the wrong way, I don't want to hang out with you. Mm. I'm the same way with Rick and Morty and Fight Club. I love this for my reasons. Yeah. I do not want to engage the conversation with a normie about this in any way. Yeah, if this is you living the dream, mm-hmm. the, if you wish that this was you, seek help. Yeah. Please, I beg you, seek help. Also, don't go on the internet because you're just going to turn into a Nazi if you do that. Yeah. A weird incel Nazi person. So, yeah, I understand a lot of people. It's three hours. It goes it's hard. Breakneck. There's breakneck. It's very, very fast. And there is constantly something deeply terrible happening, which, <laughs> yeah, duh. Uh. But. You realize it is a fucking comedy. Yeah. These it, people are terrible. And it's about how long can they be terrible before something finally catches up with them. And guess what? It, it kind of never does because this is America. Yep. 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 Um, has, yeah. Similar ending to uh, Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, hmm. Yeah. I love this film. Can't recommend it enough. And I also have to recommend it is on Netflix for, depending on when you're listening to this, less than 10 days. So mm. if you want to see it free, you got very few days left. My a hearty recommend, one of my personal favorites. Uh, didn't yeah. even think about it. I I think you know, knock on wood, it'll be another twenty or thirty years till Scorsese passes away. But mm-hmm. when they do, you know, sort of the career retrospective montages, this is going to come in as being like from left field. No one thought the seventy year old was going to make yeah. something this fucking insane. It's like ah. Uh, my man used to be a cocaine act. He can do insane things. Yeah. He understands. Riotous. It is riotous. This is the highest grossing movie of Scorsese's really? career. Wow. Wow. That's pretty At incredible. Three, and it's three hours. It's three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's that got to explain some of the walkouts then. Like, how did you not know? I guess some of this is a little beyond Scorsese's known for violence, not a ton mm. of sexuality. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incredible. Give it a shot. If you haven't seen it so let's get into tv as we round about the end of this tv 2013 22nd of december through 28th nikita ends on the cw sorry nikita fans but you have t- mm-hmm. so why am i apologizing nikita fans you have like 18 shows and a bunch of movies <laughs> uh, yeah uh, nikita ends it's been around for three years a new york christmas to remember what oh, is no. that uh, it's a puppet performance, wow. and this is yeah. Cheryl Henson, uh, Jim's wife, uh, last performance of puppetry. Jane Henson uh, or Cheryl? Cheryl. Okay. And Jane. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, have, I didn't even know this existed. And, uh, yeah, I'm seeing somebody who's into Doctor Who, so I had to celebrate a Doctor Who Christmas this year, which made me kind of go down the rabbit hole. I used to do a Christmas special blog of how cool the BBC is with Christmas-based entertainment when all the reruns start for Americans – it's the biggest game in town on the BBC and Doctor Who. This is, I think, the most I ever heard about a Doctor Who because uh, this is what Matt Smith. Uh, this is Bowtie Doctor, and to this day, mm-hmm. if you say Doctor Who, Bowtie Doctor is the version of the Doctor that I would say is the most prevalent, okay. the most well done. Mm-hmm. Attendant is the one I hear most. Scarf. I think scarf, so but I'm bigger. scarf is really old, Diana. I mean, I that is that is really old. Uh, well, I'm really old. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, but uh, uh, yeah, like I, 
there was it, we're we're just getting into like you know penetration of social media and they're like new doctor what if it's a woman this time what if it's a person of color and they somehow thought white guy even older <laughs> and i like that peter capaldi eventually won people over because he's fucking awesome and uh, i don't even i don't even know his doctor who performance i just know how awesome he is yeah it's from matt smith to peter capaldi right I believe yeah. I believe I looked it up. That's what it is. I just wanted to make I don't I don't know much else about it. Uh, I fell asleep immediately when watching the this year's Doctor Who Christmas. I was exhausted and didn't know what was going on. 11th Doctor were on the 14th, 15th Doctor. That's not that many over the course of uh, 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. Video games this week, none to speak of. So we'll just without further ado, we'll get right into the plugs. Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks for extra stuff and just try and enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your holiday break. We got. One more episode for you uh, this calendar year, and it's always one of our favorites, one of my personal favorites that we get to do because we get to kind of reflect on the year that was. And uh, so, yeah, maybe tell a friend about the show. We've enjoyed experiencing things with you. You know, if without without a shared experience, that your shared experience, it's just a memory, people. So 302010 needs you to exist. Patreon.com slash laser time. Diana, where can folks find you in? You can find me on the blue sky at Listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-A-R-D. Coming up next week, we have one new movie across three decades, which means Whoa. it's actually our time to look back on Reflect. 93, 03, and 1-3, talk about all the movies we recommended, movies that are now in the National Film Registry, words that got added to the dictionary. That's always my favorite one. Mm. And yeah, and fight it out over what were our favorite movies of these years. Yeah. What's the best of the best to recommend? God damn it. Sure. <laughs> what about you, buddy? Well, if that's not enough, next week we are going to talk about how Doug kind of sort of ends. The Brack <laughs> Show definitely ends. Yeah. Community repilots. <laughs> and the year of Luigi definitely ends with Luigi getting his medical license. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. And uh, all right, Diana, we're going to we're going to do real quick is tell you who died in a quiz. You can play along with about who lived. Diana, who died? Well, in 1993, we lost Norman Vincent Peale. He was a pastor and, you know, religious thinker, but was mostly known for the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, ah. which is kind of like every self-help book ever. And that, you know, you just think positively and good things will happen, I guess. Delude yourself. Yeah. You know what the secret is? The secret is we tricked you into giving us money to buy this book. (laughs) And then 2003, we lost Alan Bates, who was only 69. Fuck you, pancreatic cancer. Mm, Not nice. Yeah, not nice. He was in a lot of, like, swinging 60s London movies like uh, Georgie Girl and Far From the Maddening Crowd and Women in Love with uh, Naked Wrestling with Oliver Reed. That movie rules. <laughs> and then finally, in 2013, we lost Mikhail Kalashnikov, who was 94. I will put it to you. This man might be the inventor who has killed the most people directly with his invention. Oh, I know this guy. What? I don't. This is the guy who developed the AK-47. Oh, oh. Right. Who did you think this was? Uh, the guy who put lead in gasoline. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. I Yeah, I really want to know. Like, obviously, there's inventors who have killed a fuck ton of people. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's someone like Oppenheimer. Well, he killed like 200,000 people. Fentanyl. That's, that's uh, not I up mean, there with AK-47 levels. Yeah, when you think of like, okay, well, whoever developed the first pointed stick has killed yeah. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to an actual invention that was invented with moving parts and has is basically perfect. Everyone talks about AK-47. Yeah. 
It was developed in 1949, and it is still being used, barely modified around the world today. Its only purpose is to kill a lot of people really fast. Therefore, it is your right as an American to have one and put them in the... Yeah, <sighs> yeah just spray bullets. They're really mm-hmm. durable. They don't break much. You can beat a guy with them never also. Jam. They never jam. Yeah, the AK-47. It's a hell of an invention. And uh, yeah, Mikhail Kalashnikov. He did it. boy. Yay. boy. What's the opposite of the Nobel Prize? Can't be the golden <laughs> raspberry. And with the deaths out of the way, what do we got, JR? We have the b- b- birthday quiz. Birthday. Yay. Birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, Turning 75. Mm. Born December 27, 1948. In Chateauroy, Indre, France. France. One of five children. He had a troubled youth where he committed theft and smuggling and oh. acted as bodyguard for prostitutes. Is it Tintin? It's not Tintin. It is not no. Tintin. It's... <laughs> if I start listing his films, you're going to know them instantly. So mm-hmm. instead, I'm going to name historical figures he has played. Oh. Okay. Okay. Joseph Stalin, Balzac, what? Alexander Dumas, Cyrano de Bergerac, Jean Valjean, uh-huh. Edmond Dantes, Christopher yep. Columbus. Yep. Gerard yeah. Depardieu? It is Gerard Depardieu. I was going to only French actor I, just, I know. <laughs> I didn't want to just yell him out, think, okay, this is the only middle-aged French actor I can think of. Yeah. Because maybe right his family moved to another country, and he's not actually yeah. French. I don't know. Exactly. And uh, he is the second highest grossing actor in French history. Wow. Behind Louis de Funès. Of course. Louis de Funès. I do not know. <laughs> would have said Jerry Lewis and I would have been wrong. And less happy news, he has been charged with multiple, 13 specifically, accounts of sexual assault and sexual harassment and is currently fighting legal battles. Okay. Uh, How bad does it have to be to get charged with that in France? Yeah. Pretty bad. Where you kiss strangers to say hello. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I, if you have to watch a Depardieu movie, please do not watch one of his in English, honestly. Mm. He's one of those actors who just never acting in a second language is really fucking hard and he's yeah. never quite got it. His French performances are always so much better. Asterix and Obelisk, there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, uh, good luck, Gerard. Uh, whatever. Uh, no. Anyway, penultimate show of the year. Can't wait for the next one. We're going to close out with what, Dime? We got to close out with uh, Stay Far Away So Close by U2 because that's probably the most famous thing that came out of the movie Far Away So Close besides the movie itself. It's a really, really good song. Hell yeah. A lot of U2 this year. Thank you, Sonia. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Give us five bucks. Take us out, U2. See you next week. Yes, I-